This podcast is being brought to you by Brownstone Healthcare. I'm Dr. Cree, and you can find me on all social media at, at Dr. Cree, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-R-E. You can go to our website, www.brownstonehealthcare.com, or you can give us a call at 205-202-5650. So I go to American Family Care when I finish playing golf. They diagnose me as having a bad bruise or something. Yeah. So I go, and, you know, days later, it hadn't got any better. I'm icing it, soaking it. You know, I'm not necessarily staying off of it because, you know, I figure it's just bruised. Just a bruise, right. So I went back to Lemac mm-hmm. like a week later. Mm-hmm. And then, so they x-rayed it. They sent me in another room. When Lemac walks in the room, he's got a boot with him. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> you already knew. <laughs> Bob Dickerson has spent his career finding ways to get money into the hands of people. For years, he did it as both a commercial and consumer lending officer, working at several large financial institutions. Today, he does it as the executive director of the Birmingham Business Resource Center and chief executive officer of Foundation Capital a small business administration certified development company. After discovering that no small business development program in Birmingham integrated lending, capacity building, and advocacy, three things any business needs to flourish, Bob launched the Birmingham Business Resource Center in 1996. The BBRC and its initiatives have produced over 1.5 billion, 1.5 billion dollars in loans to small firms. Bob is a business mogul, influencer, and industry expert in small business and entrepreneurship. Mr. Bob Dickerson, tell me a joke. Okay, all right. So <laughs> this is a joke. Because, you know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Right? Oh, good so, time. So this, this joke has a little bit of a of a Thanksgiving piece. But 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 here's a joke. This guy thought he wanted to show off, and so he went and he bought a parrot. Okay. Because he wanted the parrot to be intelligent and talk to his friends when he brought him over and, you know, probably want a cracker. Well, this <laughs> parrot was just the opposite. The parrot cursed. <laughs> I mean, just every kind of foul language you could use. I mean, the parrot just was was awful, and so he couldn't show, you know, couldn't show the parrot off. Right. So, you know, he didn't know what to do because he had spent good money on this parrot. Uh huh. So he called this parrot psychologist. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you didn't even know there was such a thing as a parapsychologist. Right. Uh huh. So he calls a parapsychologist. Parapsychologist says, yeah, you know, we've had this problem with parrots before. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You take the parrot and just uh, put him in your freezer for about 30 minutes. Just put him in the freezer for about 30 minutes. Well, the man said, man, I paid too much for this parrot. I don't want him to freeze. <laughs> right. So he puts the parrot in the freezer, but he only leaves the parrot in about five minutes. So he gets the parrot out the freezer, 
And the parrot says, how are you, sir? Oh, your wife is lovely. Polly want a cracker? And so the parrot is just mannerable, just perfect. Uh. And so the man just has to know. He said, well, parrot, I want to know before you were, you know, you, you were vile and ugly and I put you in the freezer and now you come out intelligent and nice. And the parrot said, well, sir, I know that's the way you want me to be. And I only have one question for you. The man said, well, what do you want to know? He said, what did the turkey do? (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) I love that one. That was really good. That was really good. That's my Thanksgiving joke. Anyway, anyway. anyway. All right. Mine is nowhere close. But why do bees have sticky hair? Mm. I don't know. Because they use a honeycomb. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, man, um, you are everything on that bio and more. Well, thank you. I appreciate. Me. It. I appreciate. Um, it. It's I, I, as I was getting mentally ready for the podcast. Um, one thing jumped out. You've never told me no. You ask, You always ask me if I need anything. You always ask me how you can help. And. I just want you to know that it's an honor to have you here on this podcast. Man, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And I know we've we had a couple of times and we couldn't get it together. So yeah. uh but I think it worked out hey, just perfectly. It, God always has yeah. a plan, yes, man, and, and yeah. everything happens the way it should. But I don't remember not knowing you. <laughs> I've been around for all of your life all of so, my uh, life definitely so it's like I've I've always known you as my Bob but I don't know your your history you know what I'm saying mm. and so you know let's kick back and relax and I want you to tell the story that's not in the bio like right. where did you go to school like right. did your dad whoop your ass oh, yeah. you know what I'm oh, saying yeah. like did. yeah my I, mama whooped it more <laughs> you know <laughs> like I want to know what your childhood was like yeah okay so I'm from Roosevelt City okay yeah Roosevelt okay. City um that's where I grew up it's my hood uh, my mom and dad are both taught school Okay. My mom and dad met each other at Tuskegee. Okay. And so we're in Roosevelt City, and I grew up in the 50s and 60s when communities were, I mean, a lot different than they are now. So we grew up in and out of each other's houses. Yeah. Uh, my mama whipped all my friends and me, and their mamas whipped me. And, right. You know, when you And then when you got home, you got another, got another one. one. <laughs> uh, you know, we had to be home. Quote, quote unquote, when the street when the lights, street came lights home. but we sometimes you had a little it. grace period. Yeah, we were out there in front of the house, <laughs> you know. 
It, uh, in in our neighborhood, you could hear mamas calling their children. Yeah, come in, Glenn. Y'all come on. And you know, and, and there so might be you. a relay in the yeah. middle. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, "Hey, y'all, your mama hey, calling you." Mama you. Call <laughs> you. <laughs> so so that's so I grew up. You know, it was cool. It was uh, it, I, I never will forget. So we went to Boston okay. to visit my cousins. I think I was probably ten. Mm-hmm. So that would have been around nineteen sixty two. So we go to Boston, and my cousins live up there, and they live in Roxbury. Mm-hmm. So we're going around to their friends' apartments. You know, most of their friends live in right. apartments. Right. They live in apartment buildings. That's right. And their friends' parents, my, my cousin would say, these are my cousins from Alabama. They said, oh, you poor thing. Because what they right. knew about Alabama was like, Bull They Connor, thought you they, just escaped. <laughs> and I'm looking around like, you know, we got a yard, two <laughs> right, cars, right. everybody got a bicycle. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my mama got a, a clothesline in the backyard, not on the back porch. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so I just it, it just kind of dawned on me. And as you think about this, when you get older, we had it pretty good. Yeah. You know, we, we may not have had any money, but we were rich in other ways. So anyway, That's right. grew That's up right. Roosevelt, and my dad was a high school football coach at uh, Westfield High School. So I go to high school with him, tried to play a little football. Okay. I was on the team. <laughs> we ain't going to talk anymore about that. <laughs> Went to Tuskegee and uh, came out and started working for a bank. But but when I was a kid, I told some folks this today, and I said this before. So, you know, I get a chance to do all this stuff that I enjoy, like, you know, being on boards and kind of being civic-minded like you are, like your, like your parents, you know, have been – so, but my mother was the president of the Roosevelt Civic League back in the 60s. And we had to go to Civic League meeting because she wasn't getting no babysitter to go to Civic League right. meeting. So we were probably, I'm eight or nine or seven or eight, and then my brother's a year and a half younger than me, and then my sister's a year and a half younger than him. So we, so we would have to sit there, and then you had to be quiet and pay attention. So while we're sitting there, we're learning and we're seeing my mama, who was a young woman at this time, conduct these meetings with all these older men, some of which were old enough to be her her father. So right. so she was handling that. And I think that kind of rubbed off on all of us. Yeah. So anyway, Tuskegee, I come back, I get a now, job in the let bank. Me ask, let me ask you this. What did you want to did you wanna go into banking? No. What did what did you want to do coming? What did you think you wanted to do? Play football. <laughs> That's right. About? What I'm talking about? You gonna be in the NFL? That's all I really. What kind of stupid question is that? <laughs> I was five eight, one forty five. 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 But I felt like God was gonna grow me or something. And um, and so yeah, remind me to tell you my story. Walking on in Bama, I you was walked on. Like, yeah, oh. man. Like I walked on, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I practiced a little bit. I yeah, practiced I a practiced. few times. Yeah, <laughs> practiced a few times. But you know, the, but you know, Tuskegee was good. Banking was no. Never thought about banking. First of all, you think about the late '60s, early '70s was when we first had quote unquote affirmative action, and you know, major corporations started hiring black folks out of college. And I got recruited or through placement to General Electric. And and General Motors, but I would have had to move to Dearborn, Michigan, or mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. 
And then when the Saturday off, my daddy told me the Saturday off, he said, look, I'm going to still have to send you money with this Saturday. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. through sending you money. So right. you're going to have to get right. a job. So anyway, get a job at a bank. Never thought about banking. We didn't know anybody in banking. I didn't know what, I didn't know what, you know, I knew you went in and opened an account and right. you cashed your check. But you but didn't know what banking was. Not banking, right. so. So I always feel like God sent me into banking because it wasn't something I planned on doing. It's something I ended up happening to do. I was actually going to go to law school, and the guys that got me on the training program at the bank were were a couple of guys that one of them had been in banking. He was a lawyer. They had a, a real estate development company. I worked for them in the summers. Mm. And so they liked me, and so he called the personnel director at BTNB. They hired me, put me on the training program. I went through the training program. I wanted to be a loan officer. And here I was, like, I had I started, I got out of college early, so I was 20. Mm-hmm. So before I turned 21, they gave me something that they called a loan number. A loan, you know, a loan number meant I could make my own decisions about who could borrow money up to a certain limit. Right. But I didn't have to ask anybody. If I wanted to make you a loan, shoot, I could make you a loan. And then a nigga with <laughs> all that power. <laughs> it wasn't, but you know that was. I promise you, I had a lady to come in, and and wait a minute. Here's what y'all got to read. You got to go back and read this book I read in college. It was called "The Spook That Sat by the Door." The Spook. Check it out. That sat the Spook. By the door. It was. It was a. It was a book about affirmative action and how these white corporations were hiring us black folks for. Window dressing, sitting us by the door. Mm. I get off the training program. I was still pretty radical. Now, keep in mind, I went to college in the late 60s, early 70s. So I ain't going to talk a lot about so, what we did in school. And but so you, you know, Tuskegee Institute. Yeah, I was an institute. <laughs> and I was, in, you know, so I didn't like going in the wreck with them. Because, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm black power. Right. But this is a good job. Right. So I get off the training program, and sure enough, the first desk they give me is at the main office right by the- <laughs> The spook by the door. <laughs> Damn door. <laughs> so if you walked in the bank off of 20th Street, the building is still there. If you walked in off 20th Street and did that, you saw me. <laughs> you turned your head to the right. Man. But anyway, this one, the, a black lady came in. I'm not going to call her name. She's long gone, but she's- a Kind of with a famous family. Mm-hmm. Off the line, I tell you it was. But <laughs> she needed to, to borrow some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, her son was in business. She was in business with him. She needed to borrow some money. And so she asked me, well, I need to borrow some money. Who do I need to go see? I said, well, you could see me. Now, she looked she at me like. She believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, get me some no, money. Don't this. tell that white man to come over here so I can get me $300. <laughs> so, you know, I write a little something down, and I have a sit down. She's a little reluctant. I get a little application on her. I pick up the phone. I call the teller. I said, hey, I'm going to need you to make a $300 check out to Mrs. da-da-da-da-da. And bring and and so the, the teller and her the, jaw drop. No, so, so the little the teller who is white right walks over there to me, Mister Dickerson, and said, "Oh, 
And I signed the check. And so in the end, I think she probably felt like this check. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this bad boy here ain't going nowhere. This ain't no good <laughs> check. No good. <laughs> Still don't believe it. So, man. Oh, but man. anyway, she came back that day after I guess she gone down. <laughs> but anyway, so that was that was banging. You know, it was pretty good. Now, time out. Time out. Let me, I want to interrupt you, hold your thoughts. Um, During this time, how many other black people were around? But when I started at BTNB, there had been one, I was the second black officer. Okay. uh, Curtis Jackson at AMSAL, what was First National, there was one at exchange security that was one so i was like the fourth black officer in the banking business in birmingham when i started in 1973 wow i guess i did a pretty good job but because after the training program my bosses and some of the other folks came to me and they asked me basically you know some more of them that we could get (laughs) (laughs) Is it some more you colored like me? <laughs> and so oh, I, man. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So I get my boy, yeah. I get my one of my college yeah. friends, I get my good friend. You're like, come so on, y'all. Hey man, these folks want y'all down here. Come on. <laughs> so we you no, know, so we get uh, you know, get a couple of them. We they they hired a guy that played at Alabama. And he was just, he was he was browner than me. He said he was a Cajun, though. He didn't want to be with us. He said, I ain't black. I'm a, I'm, I, I, he said he was Cajun. I don't know. Maybe he was, but anyway. Right. So it started opening up. Um, and then you started seeing every bank then got, you know, one or two in, you know, visible positions. Spooks black in folks. the dough. We put a lot of spooks <laughs> out of the door. But we started talking to each other Yeah. about, hey, this is what I ran across. This is what happened. Uh, fast forward about, you know, 10 years, we started the Urban Bankers Organization. The National Association of Urban Bankers had started because banking was new to black folks and we needed to be to have some camaraderie that we weren't getting from them folks. Right. Because right. while they were they had us there the social piece of it, they weren't going to invite you to drinks or right. to golf. Right. Or to, right. you know, I mean, in, in fact, the bank I started with, BTNB, used to have these officers' retreats where all they did was went out, party, got drunk, yeah, had a great time. Yeah. When they finally got two or three of us, they quit having them. <laughs> or if they had them, if right. they had them, we didn't you know nothing about, about it. About it. So, right, right. So, so those kinds of social opportunities were not really afforded to us. So we started our own. Because here again, they were forced to let you in yeah. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so I, you know, banking was good. Uh, ended up with Gaston, and to me, that was, you know, that's what that did it for me. Because I probably, I don't know what I would have done had I not ended up, had I stayed with the. Uh, major financial institution. Mm-hmm. I'd probably been retired a long time ago. I don't know what I'd be doing now, but Gaston was the, that was kind of the watershed moment for me was being able to get a job with A.G. Gaston. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I met him um, maybe twice as a little boy. 
Um, but I can't say that I had the opportunity to, to sit at in one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest men ever out of Birmingham, and you know, tell us about him. And uh, Gaston was phenomenal in every way. So he's born impoverished in Demopolis, folks uneducated, grandparents were slaves. I always use this. So when he was born in 1892, he had about, he had a 100% chance of being lynched and probably a minuscule chance of becoming a multimillionaire. Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, he had way more opportunity to be, <laughs> oh, yeah. to be lynched because they sure. were that. So, so, so he he was, but it was something about him, you know, his 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 life story kind of lined up. Uh, apparently, his his parents and grandparents were not; they were they weren't educated, but they were knowledgeable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they passed on knowledge, and he absorbed the knowledge. His mother was a businesswoman. She cooked, and then she had her own catering company. And see, people, so he, he that was a that was That's good. A that was a business. Yeah. A lot of black folks had businesses. Even back in the 1700s, we had businesses cooking, sale-making, carpentry, mm-hmm. you know. And until Jim Crow kind of took that away from us, which was like an economic detour, you know, because we knew how to do stuff, and All we right. still know how to do stuff, and we— we didn't. They weren't gonna hire us to do it for them, so we did it for ourselves. But they, they knew when they needed a good house built, mm-hmm. that certain people they could call, probably get a good price and get a good house. So, so he kind of took that, you know, into business. Went to World War One, like many folks think. I'm gonna go serve my country, and that's gonna make me a citizen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, 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 but this guy started his first business a hundred years ago and it's still, still black people, the most successful business owner we turned out in Birmingham or in Alabama. Now that don't say much for us. I'm just going to tell it. That's (laughs) That's, true. That, that, it says a lot for him. I'm not sure what it says for us. I know things were different then, but this is somebody we need to put up here on this pedestal and, and, and emulate in every way we can. So anyway, he was a. Uh, I mean, he, well, let he, me let me say this now. Let me say this. Um, at least for me, you have been that. Well, you have been that, and I want you to know. That I'm gonna continue it after you, and I want people to sign up to carry on after me. Yeah. But yeah. to to your point, there there aren't enough people who want to sit on the knee and learn anymore. It's a, yeah. they all want it right now. Yeah. It's like you know. As much as you love me, and as long as you we've known each other, I had to develop some relevance to get quick callbacks. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And people want to walk in the door and, you know, I knew this and I can do that. No, you got you to gotta pay some dues. And I just dare to say that a lot of people don't want to dot the I's and cross the T's and fill out the paperwork and sit in time. And, 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 and I'm, when I'm saying time, I'm talking about a decade. I ain't talking about a few months. No, yeah. I ain't talking about two years. Yeah. You got to spend some. You have to prove you are who you say you are. Over time. Over time. Because things change. Things change. Yeah. You got to be able to be relevant in 28, 2008 when we had a, a recession. In 2020 when we had COVID. In two, right. 2022 when it's inflation. That's right. And if you're going to succeed, you got to weather those storms because they're coming. And in two months or two years, and sometimes even in eight years, you hadn't seen the storm that's on the horizon. That's right. And so so I, I think you're right. I think we are in a kind of give-it-to-me-now society. I deserve it. Um, you know, um, I've had a couple of folks that worked for me that had that attitude that, well, I, I you know, I did I – did, some of what you told me to do, so go, <laughs> right. go give me my check. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Real quick, man, yeah. tell um everybody how they can find you on social media. Where, what's your handles? All right, so uh, Twitter is at B. Dickerson Jr. Okay. Uh, Facebook, Bob Dickerson. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Robert, Bob, Robert B. Dickerson. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I got to find you on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. I think I find I, um, so, and then you can, then I, my website is bobdickerson.com. Okay. And it's got all. And when so, you going to get a TikTok? I, 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 I don't, <laughs> I just don't know how to, I just don't know what it is. I've done some TikToks. <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, I got children and young folks. So yeah. Yeah. I got, I got TikToks. I, if you go to my website, it might be on there. I don't know about the uh, TikTok part, but right. you know, but. But no, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to figure this TikTok out. I, hey, I'm, I've, I'm, I've, I'm just, I just figured it out. Well, okay. I'm, 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 I'm at the, you, we can grow together well, on that. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, but when I, now, I do see how people get captivated by it. I promise you. Now, see, that's me. <laughs> I only have about four or five of them on there, but just last night. As a perfect example, I was on TikTok from about 6 p.m. to about 2 in the morning. See? I See? promise you. I will sit there and just just scroll. I mean, I get up and go, you know, eat and then come back. I mean, I, I did a few things in between. But to me, it's better than TV. Like, I don't, I'm not a TV watcher. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I like if a, if a game ain't on, I'm yeah. probably watching TikTok. Okay. <laughs> so you don't like baseball. You didn't watch the World Series last day, huh? Man, my my teams ain't in it. Man, you know, either. You know, Man so either. yeah. I just don't want the Astros to win. You don't, don't want really them to win. No, you know, they cheated on my Dodgers a few years back. That's I forget, okay. I All right, yeah, so but we ain't gonna never want them to win. My di- my one of my dearest dearest friends. Shirley Ramos, I love you. Um, she is a huge Houston Astros fan, so you know I 
that's about my only tie to to to, to, to what happened. Well, not to Houston. You know, I lived in Houston. Oh, okay. Me, but um, yeah. yeah so okay. um, we gonna take a minute and we'll be right back. At Alabama Power, there's nothing more important to us than our customers and the communities we serve. Alabama Power is more than your reliable source of electricity. We're committed to building the future of energy and providing innovative solutions to our customers. Alabama Power offers energy efficiency tips to help lower your bills, and the company supports agencies that offer bill assistance. Alabama Power initiates and supports efforts to grow the economy and elevate the state of Alabama. And yes, we are also your reliable source of electricity. Alabama Power is for a better Birmingham and a better Alabama. Bob, what's your favorite charity right now? The A.G. Gaston Boys and Girls Club. Absolutely. Tell us about it. All right, so, you know, A.G. Gaston started the Boys Club really right down the street mm-hmm. uh, uh, years ago. After he saw boys hanging out on the corner, he knew they needed a place to be. And so uh, the Gaston Enterprise uh, officers and, and executives always gave their time and talent to the Boys and Girls Club, all the way up to Walter Howlett, who you know mm-hmm. passed away, I guess, six, seven years ago now. So um, I've always been a proponent of, of uh, giving back, especially to young people, and I just can't think of a better organization. So I volunteered for their board. Okay. And so now I'm a board member. So the A.G. Gaston Boys and Girls Club is my favorite charity. And I would hope that you would go on their website and donate. Absolutely. Click the button. Let's give us some money. Um, you know, they're doing a great job for boys and girls all across the city of Birmingham. Absolutely. Are y'all um, selling the bricks yet? Yeah. You Well, the brick sale occurred okay so if you're interested in a brick there's a little bit of a waiting list but you know we'll get you on all right we'll get you in i'm in for a brick all right wonderful all right perfect um now if you don't answer one of these questions you have to make a hundred dollar donation to the boys and girls club okay but they're easy you know start off with Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Barons. All right. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Stallions. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Sloss. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? The Zoo. Crossplex or Legion Field? Crossplex. Alabama or Auburn? Roll Tide. State or a and I plead the fifth. <laughs> we got $100 for AG. Yes. I love it when I raise money. <laughs> All right. How about Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum? Civil Rights Institute. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Protective. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Railroad Park. Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood. Michael Jackson or Prince? MJ. 
<laughs> Biggie or Tupac? Gotta go with Tupac. Gotta go with Tupac. You and my dad went with Tupac. Um, first of all, let me ask you this. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I'd probably be a football coach. Yeah? Yeah. That's what my dad did, and we all were, you know, kind of sports-minded. And I think I I actually coached a little bit. I've coached some baseball, coached a little, you know, youth football. Yeah. Coached my daughters in uh, in in basketball and volleyball when they were in middle school. So, yeah, I, I think I'd be a coach. That's awesome. Or I would have been a coach. By right. now, I probably would be retired. Yeah, I get it. Um, I didn't get a chance to tell you. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I saw the Thank beautiful you. pictures. And um, also, somebody's still on a honeymoon. Yeah, well, you I'm under three two years. Oh, I'm y'all three, three years Yeah, now? Uh, it just, I just rode into three. Okay, so, y'all, so y'all out the honeymoon. No, I don't know about that. Don't, don't say, say that. You're still no, in the honeymoon say phase. I'm still in the honeymoon phase. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Man, um, you know, you 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 exude happiness, man. Well, thank you. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm just happy for you because at this uh, – and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny because I, I say it about myself, you know, to stay relevant, to stay engaged – to stay important, generation, generation, you know, our fathers, our grandfathers know you, and our children know you. You know what I'm saying? That's and a blessing, though. It's a blessing. No, it's a blessing. It's a real blessing. Yeah. So we were, we, you got into banking. Yep. Right? And not only did you have a successful banking career, but you know, to 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 coin the phrase like um, people say, "I'm your banker's favorite banker." <laughs> <laughs> How did you emerge? Was it by choice? Was it and and especially like what made you have put your stamp on it? Like you know, how did that come about? Well, I mean, Urban Bankers I mentioned, Gaston I mentioned, mm -hmm. but I left banking in 1993. Okay. And I started my own consulting company, and after that I started the Birmingham Business Resource Right, Center. right, right, and right. And so my connections to banking I kept, but working for a bank I left. Right. And so, yeah, working for a bank, to me, I, I bumped up against the – and it wasn't a glass ceiling; it was a brick ceiling for me. Mm -hmm. So, so banking allowed me to make some contacts and, and 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 put me in a position to move outside of banking, but still use your my knowledge and resources mm -hmm. and contacts. Contacts, network. And so that's what we're doing. I mean, that's what we do every day at the BBRC. We help people borrow money. Oftentimes, people come to me when they should be going to a bank, mm -hmm. but they don't. They they trust me more, which I'm happy. Damn I mean, right. I'm proud of that. Yeah. But you know, and we look at them and maybe make a few suggestions, and then we call bankers that we know and say, "Hey, listen, here's the deal that you should be doing." And I would say, some eight times out of ten, 
if we put a stamp of approval on it, because we understand financing. Exactly. So exactly. If we, if we say it's something that has the right stuff, then, mm-hmm. you know, we find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. So so I'm kind of yeah, like. You, the, you being a little modest with the 7, 8 out of 10. Well, you more like about 9.9 out of 10. Because, no, seriously, because um, just like you, I called you with a friend. I said, hey, this might be sketchy, but, you know, but you knew it had to be a little something now mm-hmm. for me to even do it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so banks are the same, and I ain't and I ain't brought you nobody else. Banks are the same way. They know if Bob Dickinson show up with somebody, it's some it's some meat on yeah. the bone. Yeah, I'm gonna try to if if I get somebody who isn't ready, I'm gonna try to get them ready. Right. As opposed to say, hey, go on over there and get turned down. No, because mm. a lot of times what folks don't see are the folks I say, hey, uh, uh-uh. uh, right? <laughs> this. And and I always try to get people to see themselves why it won't work. So Shit. instead of me I just know saying you're batting fifty fifty yeah. at best on that, yeah. instead of <laughs> saying hey, it won't work, no, so it's all y'all fault. Yeah. Oh, you know <laughs> I get that. Don't now. Do me right. I get all that. I get the folks that well, I thought y'all was supposed to help people. <laughs> like yeah, we do, but we might not be you able to help ain't... you at this moment. Right, right. But you know, just on a deal across the street, the. Uh, during the merch, during the World Games, mm. I mean, all those folks are, you know, were all our people were really happy. Now, because <laughs> well, hold on, hold we, on, let's let's set this up because a lot of people may not know what we're talking about. Okay, during the World Games, they had their market or whatever going on in the in their little footprint. And Bob had the what is it, Mastercard? Mm-hmm, Mastercard. Um, a a, buzz, a expo over here. Marketplace. Marketplace. Yeah, Civil Rights District Marketplace. That did numbers. Big that numbers. did numbers. And we're dropping a story about that on our three sixty dot news tonight. Oh. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but tell, yeah. tell yeah. us about So we've been working with uh, the merchants who wanted to benefit from the World Games since the World Games was announced. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't anything new. We've done workshops, seminars. And so there were at least 100 vendors that wanted to do business during the World Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that weren't going to be able to put up fences or do stages or, you know, or or build scaffolding and that mm-hmm. kind of thing or do transportation. It was going to take too gonna, much of an investment. They, they, they to, weren't ready for that. Yeah. So we said, well, what are those people ready for? Well, food, retail, the things that they were already doing, they could do. We just needed to create a place for them. Mm-hmm. So there was a place created down the way. That was the official market. But even then, there were like, there were probably 40 or 50 vendors left that were well qualified, motivated, and wanted to do it. So we just said, okay, we will. And MasterCard helped us, and they stroked the check. And God knows I tried to save some of the money and not spend it all, but I did. <laughs> Praise but God. We set it out for them. <laughs> I'm glad because, you did. Because we had tents and 
the right security and flags and entertainment. And so for those five nights and day, days and nights, we were we were on fire across on the street. Fire. I mean, and 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 all of our merchants were happy. And man, the food trucks stayed lined up the whole time. The whole I mean, time. They, yeah. The whole time. And 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 our retail vendors did fine, and it was just festive in the park. I mean, everybody had a great time. I'm just so happy that we were able to do it. And then we called on Destination Birmingham to help because they are in the event planning business. Uh, pulled in some additional folks, so it was about. It, it really wasn't just about the BBRC, even though you know our name was on the sign. Mm-hmm. But we brought in some partners, and everybody did well. You know, everybody got a chance to 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 not only showcase what they do, but everybody got a chance to eat a little something too. Awesome. And so, so it was good. I I I had people say, "Let's do it again." They don't know how much work went into it, mm-hmm. uh, but and and maybe we'll do it again one day. Uh, but uh, it, it, you're talking about rewarding. That was one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had. And, That's awesome. And I appreciate it. The city and, and MasterCard and the World Games, yeah. you know, for giving us the chance to do it. So what's next on the horizon? So uh, we just did a, a patient loan program for businesses that we were able to make them some loans that they don't have to pay back right away. Um, we also just did a Heart of Birmingham loan program where we made $500,000 in forgivable loans. They were forgivable right off the bat. Um, and so we're trying to now – use those, especially the patient loan, as sort of a test case to see if we can go out and raise initial dollars to be able to put patient capital in small businesses. You know, venture capital companies, they go after companies that can scale or do IPO Mm. or something like that. Well, you know, our small businesses need somebody to invest in them as well. And we also have to make sure that we clarify the distinction between debt and capital. Debt is... Right. What you pay back, capital is what you use to grow. Debt debt facilitates something. Capital fuels growth. So debt facilitates capital fuels. And so we need more capital to be invested in our companies and not money they have to initially pay immediately start paying back. So that's what we're working on. Now uh let me I don't know if I was if we were clear, because here again I I can sometimes talk maybe thinking people know things, right? So um, with the BBRC, where where can people call? Where can people get information? What exactly are you guys looking for? Who exactly can you help? We'll try to help anybody. So we're not turning <laughs> anybody down. Yeah. Um, our website is mybbrc.biz, mybbrc.biz, and you can figure out everything else about us. We're located in Innovation Depot. Phone number is 205-250-6380, 205-250-6380. We try to help you build capacity, access capital, and get customers because we know that those are the three things that any business needs in order to survive. Bob, I want to thank you. Thank um, you. This was just my little way of giving you your roses right now. Man, I appreciate it. You are a, a, a hero. You will always have a fan in me. I thank you. Thank I want to thank you all for listening. 
And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63, R360News, and UrbanHam.com. God bless. This podcast is being brought to you by Leftover Energy, LLC. I am service. I am uplift.